Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on the program, our coverage of the World Series continues. We'll get the Astros perspective from Robert Land of the Houston Sports Talk podcast. He is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a moment to discuss the Astros going into game six, up three games to two. But first, we will uh, hit a couple of notes from college football from over the weekend. Kansas State coming up with the big upset of Oklahoma. So that uh, puts Oklahoma on the outside looking in as far as the college football playoff is concerned. A wild 48-41 victory. They had to hang on for dear life. Oklahoma had a chance at the onside kick at the end. But replay overturned it, rightfully so. Um, Boy, I thought for sure they weren't going to, and Oklahoma would get back into tying the game and go into overtime. But nonetheless, the upset takes place, and Kansas State... Getting it done there in the Big 12. And we have a new number one in college football. LSU is now the top-ranked team in the country, having overtaken the Alabama Crimson Tide, who go down to number two. And coming up on November 9th, it will be that big matchup if, if if you will. LSU, Alabama, a de facto playoff game of sorts could be. Um, a lot of people speculate the loser of this game will be out of the equation, but nah, Alabama will continue to get love if they lose this game. LSU probably would not get the same love, but I think the Crimson Tide would definitely uh, continue to get uh, uh, consideration for the college football playoff. I always maintain they could lose two games a season, and the committee is going to find a way to get them in. Yes, ESPN's College Game Day is going to Memphis, where they will set up shop before a primetime engagement on ABC Saturday night between the Tigers and the undefeated SMU Mustangs. Big, big battle in the American Athletic Conference Western Division. So in that case, SMU... Uh, would be you know let's look at it this way uh, an SMU victory uh, certainly uh, uh, will pretty much put Memphis out of the picture they already have one conference loss and then uh, if a Memphis win takes place that puts them in the driver's seat because they will have a tiebreaker edge on the Mustangs as well as Navy who is currently in that uh, playoff hunt uh, they defeated Navy earlier in the season but uh, great doings, and um, matter of fact, on my AAC report on the Nightline Sports Network this week, we will talk about that game in depth uh, with Frank Murtaugh, the Memphis Flyer, who will uh, join us to uh, talk about that. And and I can tell you, uh, you know, if, if you're a Memphis Tiger fan and you're in the area, you want to you want to take the whole thing in. It's a long day. You know, when UCF got game day last year before the Cincinnati game, 
you know, it was like, boy, it's an early morning, eight o'clock kickoff. Man, do I do I really want to go? And I, I, and I can't believe I pondered it, not going. But I decided, okay, you've wanted this forever, game day to be here. You got to show up and show up. You show up. I did. Didn't stay for the whole thing because, you know, when you're way way in the back, you can't hear any of the show. You're just there for the experience and the and the hoopla and everything else. Uh, but I was glad I did it. And then uh, getting that uh, primetime kickoff on ABC and being the feature game. And what a great step this is for the conference, too, because, uh, you know, game day could have gone to Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville for that tired old story. But uh, they have decided to go to the city of the Blues, Memphis, Tennessee, to bring in college game day. Give you our coverage of the World Series. Joining us now from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast is a friend of the program, Robert Land. Robert, thanks for being here. Great to be here and great to be here this time of year and talking about good stuff. Yes, yeah, so tell me when uh, the Astros go to Washington down 2 nothing after both Cole and Verlander getting beat, did you think it was coming back to Houston, let alone with a 3-2 lead? Well, I, I was very concerned because the things that had been the problem in the first two games with the Nationals were the things that had been the problem throughout the playoffs. They, they weren't hitting with runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, the Nationals, you know, they'd been doing that the entire postseason. And it was they were living in two different universes. One of them was, you know, just crushing it with runners in scoring position and the other ones uh, were not. So, no, I, I, I was very concerned at that point. We don't know. What we're getting from Zach Granke, he's not Garrett Cole, so that was a concern a little bit. Uh, you, you didn't even know what they were going to do for game four. But, man, it's just one of the more unbelievable turnarounds in World Series history. No doubt about it. And, of course, I think you could also say everybody who thought that the series was over after two games hasn't really watched the Astros much because they just won 107 games in the regular season and are an established playoff team. Yeah, I think what you don't get, you just kind of like go, okay, well, the numbers say they're great, but whatever. This is more about these players, this group of guys, and, and A.J. Hinch, and one of the great managers we're going to, I think, look back in history as this manager just knew how to steer a ship. Uh, he's really great people person. There's nobody that you want more leading your team. And then... You've got guys on the team that just believe in themselves. I mean, I, I don't think anybody that's watched the Astros uh, doesn't know that Alex Bregman uh, believes in himself. But, you know, Verlander and Cole and Springer, and there's just it's a lot of incredible guys, not only as players, but as clubhouse guys. And they're a family. I mean, this is a family and it's not the same group of guys that was here two years ago that won the championship, but, you know, several of them are, and then there's a perfect mix of new guys that, you know, they, they want this really bad because they didn't experience that a couple of years ago. So, I mean, you have a Michael Brantley that's uh, trying to do something that he's never done in a great career, and and you have these other players like Robin Chirinos and on and on that, you know, they, they want to win a championship, and not only that, they're, they're great guys to have around the clubhouse and just veteran leadership as well. And it's great to be deep because, you know, Bregman had struggled and, and these guys seem to pick each other up when uh, when other guys are, are down on their luck. 
Right. Uh, that, that's the other thing about this team is, you know, one guy uh, is struggling and it's not a big deal because you have other guys. And I mean, this lineup is so incredibly deep and you're seeing it finally in the World Series, just how fantastic they are. And you start looking at the World Series numbers and Jordan Alvarez is hitting 545 and Chirinos is hitting 364. And those were the guys that you weren't expecting anything. George Springer's hitting 316 and Brantley's hitting 400 and Altuve's hitting 360 and Guriel's hitting 318. And Bregman is struggling and Correa is struggling. But even when they're struggling, when you have every guy in the lineup that's capable of knocking the ball out of the ballpark like Bregman and Correa, and they've done it and they, they've done it in crucial situations, then they can still help you when they're only hitting 182 or 158 or whatever. So uh, this lineup, it's going to go down as one of the great lineups in Major League Baseball history. And Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, who haven't played in every single game in this series, and Tucker, that's mostly been a pinch hitter, you know, years down the road, we might look at him as, oh, this guy was an all-star and he was on the bench. He couldn't get himself into the lineup. And Jordan Alvarez, I think he's going to turn out into be one of the great hitters of all time. I mean, all the talk was about Soto early in the series and what a great young hitter he is. And absolutely that's the case. But Jordan Alvarez this year has had one of the more incredible seasons when you combine his minor and major league totals. And, you know, just he was above a thousand OPS practically the whole season, both in the minors and the majors. And this is a rookie. This is somebody that they got for uh, pennies on the dollar for, you know, just nothing a couple of years ago. And nobody was expecting anything of this guy. I wasn't even expecting him to be in the major leagues this year. I mean, Kyle Tucker was the guy that was supposed to make the big splash if there was any minor league guy, any rookie. But but he's just been an unreal throughout the season after struggling in September and struggling in the ALCS. He's really got it going again. Can you find the words to describe Garrett Cole's season and, and what a remarkable one it has been? And I was almost you know just shocking that he lost a game in the World Series, but he came back last night and uh, elevated the Astros. Can you talk about the the miraculous season he has had? Uh, it, it, yeah, he's just uh, it's unreal. Uh, the stuff and the control and the competitiveness. And the fire and the focus, it, it, it's unreal. And then, you know, there's a stat that somebody pulled up and there, you, you get all these really good stats as you get into the playoffs and in the World Series. But if you look at Garrett Cole's entire season, regular season and postseason, I think it's something like he has 314 more strikeouts than walks. Not 314 strikeouts, 314 more strikeouts <laughs> than walks, which is the third best, uh, I guess, differential you would call that in Major League Baseball history. The only two that were better, one of them was Randy Johnson. You might have heard of him. And then the other guy was this uh, little-known pitcher named Sandy Koufax. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty good company for sure. Now, I've been listening to your uh, podcast throughout the playoffs, and you are of the opinion that uh, Garrett Cole has probably pitched his last game as a member of the Houston Astros. Why do you think that is? Because he's going to probably be getting somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 million over several years. And we just don't know how the Astros can afford this. They they just made the Granky trade and, and maybe they, they can dump off of Granky. But remember, they gave their third, fourth, fifth and sixth best prospect to get Zach Granky. And he's going to be making $24 million dollars this next year and then $24 million the year after that. That's just from the Astros. The The Diamondbacks took some of that salary off their hands. But 
you know, Verlander is going to be making, I believe it's around $32 million each of the next two years. You're also paying Altuve a big contract. Uh, Bregman signed a big extension uh, last year. So you've got all of these guys to pay. And, and between your three starting pitchers paying $100 million, it's just it's hard to believe that the Astros would would do that. And it's hard to believe that Jim Crane would, you know, he would almost have to go over the luxury tax, which he said he's not going to do. I, I don't think they can pull this off. And, and I just don't know if Jeff Luno would be willing to pay that much money for a starting pitcher because, I mean, I don't know how many times you see this where a starting pitcher gets that kind of money and then you just don't know what's going to happen. There could be a huge fall off. Yeah, he's in his prime. He's in his late 20s. But, I mean, we've seen this happen with pitching. Pitching is such a, a – you're walking such a thin line a lot of times. And, you know, it's a it's a bad arm and, you know, a guy is all of a sudden no good and you're stuck with this huge contract. So, yeah, for those reasons, I just I, – I can't see it happening. I don't know if they would be willing to go into that stratosphere. I know Garrett Cole loves the Astros. If all things being equal, I'm sure he would love to come back. But I just don't think the Astros can be equal with – you know, maybe what an Angels or a Yankees could offer, you know, if they decide to get into the bidding and, and the Dodgers as well, maybe the Cubs even. Yes, and of course he has shown the ultimate concentration, be able to pitch while he's being flashed from behind home plate. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even see the story until the following day. I guess I, I just, I wasn't uh, hyper-focused on my Twitter feed enough on Sunday night, but yeah, I was a, that's a really weird deal. And, and Garrett Cole, you you're not going to, you're not going to see anybody more focused than he's been this year. I mean, when he's out there on the mound, you see it in his eyes and in his demeanor. Uh, he's just, uh, he's, it's just been unreal. And, uh, you know, it was a shock when he had such a poor game and game one of the world series after what he'd done this season. But, uh, just, uh, I mean, it's going to go down this, this postseason is going to go down as one for the ages. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Max Scherzer. Now, you know, this guy, um, he doesn't just tap out for anything. He has to obviously be really, really hurt not to pitch. And uh, that's a tough break for the Nationals. And uh, and the Astros certainly have taken advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, it's just that 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 just shows you that sort of thin line of injuries and how, you know, they can change whatever you're doing for whatever team. I mean, the Yankees. it's not going to be talked about much, you know, outside of maybe the diehard Yankee fans, but Giancarlo Stanton being hurt uh, in the playoffs was a big deal. The Astros last year, both Altuve and Correa weren't right. And so, yeah, you're going to have a hard time beating the Red Sox, especially with the kind of year that they were having where they just seemed to be pushing all the right buttons and everything was working for them. I mean, I've seen it so many times throughout Houston sports history, but I mean, we've seen this throughout baseball history and it's just a shame because, you know, Scherzer is somebody that uh, is a future hall of famer, multiple Cy Young award winner. Uh, he's thrown no hitters. He's done everything that you could want in baseball and, and you don't get a whole lot of shots at this world series thing. And for him not to be out there and, you know, I'm a sports fan as much as I am a Houston fan and, and, and you want to see the best of the best and you would like to you know, the other team not to have the excuse, well, we didn't have our guy out on the floor. I mean, the, 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 the Rockets just went through this with Chris Paul a couple of years ago against Golden State. And, and the Golden State Warriors went through it this past season with what happened to Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. So, I mean, it, it, it's so frustrating as a sports fan when you don't see these great players in the biggest moments on the biggest stages. And, and it's just a shame for Max Scherzer, who's not only a great player, but, you know, he does a lot of work 
uh, charity work. He does, you know, things for animal rescue. He does things for, uh, you know, rescuing uh, children from the, you know, the, the kind of slave movement or whatever. I mean, all, all of this kind of thing that he does off the field as well as what he does on the field. And, and he's also a University of Missouri grad like myself. So I, I was rooting for this guy uh, as, as long as he wasn't playing for the Astros throughout his career. Yeah, so we look at game six, Strasburg, Verlander, and Strasburg has been as good as anybody in the major leagues this year. Verlander, is the 0-5 World Series a thing? I don't know if the 0-5, but I am concerned that he's 1-3 in the postseason, and he's got a 4-plus ERA, and I, I didn't like the fact that they pitched him on three days rest against the Tampa Bay Rays and, and the ALDS, and it didn't work out. And I felt like he kind of got off a rhythm. I think only a, one of his starts since then has gone pretty well. And and he's a 36-year-old pitcher, and you just don't want to pitch him on three days rest and screw him up. And if you're the Astros, the only thing that should have mattered was winning the World Series. So if you're looking at it long term, you know, why are you so concerned? And the Astros, it wasn't like they were facing elimination in the ALDS when he pitched. They were up two to one right there. You know, if you wait a game, you're going to game five with him and Garrett Cole, both fully rested. So I just didn't see the purpose of it. And, and I am concerned. It's going to be key for him to get out of the first inning because he struggled in the first inning throughout this playoff stretch. And if he can get out of the first inning, then throw everything on the table and it's him versus Strasburg. It's going to be a great mano a mano. But uh, yeah, there, there's absolutely a concern as well as the Astros have played at home. Obviously, the, the Nationals know how to beat them at Minute Maid Park, and they've done it already. Yeah, and uh, regardless of whether the Astros win it a game six or if it goes seven, and no matter who wins, as you said, this certainly is shaping up as a World Series for the ages, that is for sure. Uh, while I got you on, wanted to ask you, uh, of course, since you also cover the Texans quite heavily, J.J. Watt suffering another season-ending injury and, you know, the, the term great guy, great player gets thrown around rather loosely. But in J.J. Watt, Watt's case, that is not true. Yeah, he's the unofficial mayor of Houston. He's a superhero around here. Everybody knows what he did for Harvey, but it, it goes well beyond that. Nobody roots harder for every Houston sport. I mean, he's uh, tweeting about the Astros and tweeting about Altuve all through the playoffs more than any other Houston sports figure. I mean, he, he roots for the Rockets. He, he knows those guys. He, he talks to, I mean, he, he's somebody that I don't know if you're a sports fan, how you can't like JJ Watt. And it's, it's just a shame because it's not just this season. This is three out of the last four years. He's missed uh, the season with most of the season with season ending injuries, missed 33 games in those three th seasons all put together. And, you know, this is a guy is a hall of fame career. He was, looking like we could be putting him in the pantheon of best defensive players of all time. I still think when he was at his height, those first few years before the injuries got him, that he, he was with anybody that I ever saw. He's right there with the Lawrence Taylors and the Reggie Whites. I mean, those are the only ones that I would even put in the category with what uh, JJ could do. So yeah, it, it's devastating for the, for the Texans. It's obviously a killer because you know, he is their pass rush. Uh, Whitney Merciless has been really good this year, but Whitney Merciless can't do what he does without J.J. drawing two and three people. And the Rock, I mean, the Texans are going to have to rely now on their offense, which is, you know, their offense has been the key for the season. If it's working, they win with Deshaun. If it's if, if that's not working, then it's it's tough for them to win because they just don't have the talent defensively. And 
you know, I, I don't know if people are paying attention elsewhere, but the, the Texans have just been riddled by injuries recently. Three of their four, four players of their starters in their secondary are out at this moment. And yeah, it's been difficult, but yeah, JJ is, uh, it's just, it sucks because you don't, you just don't know how many more years you're going to get of this guy. And on another uh, note, uh, the University of Houston Cougars coming to Orlando to face the UCF Knights in uh, in a big battle. Um, Houston, well, high hopes going into the season with Dana Holgerson coming on board as the new head coach and Derek King returning a quarterback, but it's turned into a rather disappointing season for the Cougs. They got off to a tough start. I mean, the early season schedule was difficult. I mean, you got Oklahoma on there for one. That, that That's not going to help. But, you know, they, they just couldn't get it going early on. And then I guess it's just Holgerson decided, well, we're going to redshirt some guys and t- take advantage of a new rule. So De'Eric King, who was their star quarterback, but wasn't playing well at all under Holgerson, uh, they, they shut him down. My, my bigger concern, if I'm a U of H fan, is Dana Holgerson. I just I, I haven't liked a lot of what I've seen so far. Uh, he, he doesn't seem to be anything extraordinary to me as a coach the the Cougars have had some, you know, really good coaches that have come through here. I mean, Tom Herman's obviously struggling right now with UT and it's not looking good, but you know, Herman did an extraordinary job in his time at U of H. And I think, you know, eventually he's going to get things going again, wherever he is. I mean, he, he, he is a bright coach, not one of my favorite people, but he is a really good coach. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think, uh, that, that, that's my concern going forward is can Holgerson and Derek King get it going into next year because this year they in a lot of ways they've just like well we're gonna we're gonna we got to get some more guys in here and we got to get our system in and all of that sort of stuff so I don't know what their goal is at this point in the season but you know it's been a huge struggle for them. Yeah. Well, Robert, you've been doing some uh, excellent uh, work uh, doing post-game shows on the Astros. Tell the folks how they can follow you. Yeah, um, uh, your, my Houston Sports Talk podcast, you can find it anywhere you find your podcast pretty much. Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. I'm at HST Podcast is the the Twitter handle, and HoustonSportsTalk.net is the website. Uh, you know, we get guests, but it, it's a lot of me and uh, my co-host, Stephen Kerr, really knowledgeable. He's been in journalism for 35 years. I've been in journalism for 25-plus years, so we've got about 60 years of experience and uh he's he's a good guy too really good guy that i uh, do stuff with and, and and he knows his houston sports he's been a fan since back in the 70s before i go can can i ask you a question i want to ask you one thing absolutely all right so my my question is do people at this point are are, are they looking at the astros i mean I, I want another vantage point are they looking at the astros now as these are the bad guys or this or we don't like the Astros anymore. It's not fun to root for them. What, what's the what do you think is the national perspective on the Astros? Obviously, you've got the stuff with the front office. But, you know, I feel like as a, as a fan of the team, I guess that the players are real likable and, and you can sort of separate maybe players and management. But what what is the feeling with the Astros from a, from an outsider's perspective? Well, you know, that's a good question. I would say that I wouldn't look the, look at them as the bad guys. I still see that, you know, you have such a great marketing, marketable person in Jose Altuve. And people like the way this team plays because they're, they not only do they have sock in their bats, they, they, you know, they move the runners along. They do all, all the, the little things. They play good defense. They have outstanding pitching. 
I don't get the sense that they're thought of nationally as the bad guys. I think, uh, uh, you know, when you look at, you know, do they look a little cocky? Yeah, but, you know, what team doesn't at this stage? You know, <laughs> I mean, you could say the same thing about some of the players on the Nationals. So I wouldn't get that uh, perception. And, you know, and there's a little bit of uh, Astros ties in this area as, you know, they trained in Kissimmee just down the road from here for many years. Um, and, you know, my sense is that uh, the people still think this is a very likable team. Yeah, Bregman is the only guy that I, I can see from an outsider's perspective. He's somebody that people might see as cocky. We know Bregman a little bit more than everybody else. And, you know, we know that he's a really good guy and he does stuff in the community and people love him in that clubhouse. And if they didn't love him, then he, he, you know, there, there would be a problem. But he's absolutely beloved, not just because of what he does, you know, as a player, but he's such a team guy. Uh, he's somebody that learned Spanish so he could talk to Yuli Curiel and become friends with him and become friends with the other Spanish ball players and try to help Yuli learn English. And, you know, so him, I understand maybe uh, because he's just got one of those faces. He, he's almost uh, Jeff. He's kind of got one of those movie faces that, that you go, oh, he's the bad guy. in the movie well, you, we, well, you know, what? I, I kind of relate him to. He's one of those guys that. Um, when he's on the other team, you can't stand him. But if he's on your team, you love him. Absolutely. But, you know, people like Springer and Altuve, uh, Correa, I, I don't know how you see those guys as particularly cocky. It's it's the, the, they're they're just out there. having. I mean, the most you could say about the Astros is that, I mean, the, the definition of what they are is they have fun and, and they, yeah. they know how to incorporate the business part and the fun part together. And, and, and it works in perfect symbiosity, or if that's even a word, but it's, there's some symbiosis to how they, they put that all together to make it work and, and to be a great team. And one of the things that they realized after the first couple of games is, you know, they, they talked about the fact that, you know, we, we, we're not having fun. Where's our swag? Where's our fun? You know, and, and that's what they changed after games one and two. And that's where they turned around the World Series. Yeah, and you know, and I can kind of relate. Uh, being as a Braves fan, you can kind of look at the team. You look at a young player like Ronald Cunha Jr., who's very flashy and you know enjoys himself and has a great time. Has the little mental lapses here and there, but you can see where you know he rubs people the wrong way. Josh Donaldson, you know, he he is a you know he's a a guy that rubs people the wrong way a little bit too when when you're when he's not on your team. So. You know, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that, you know, maybe cocky isn't the right word, but it's, you know, the, the confidence is there for sure. Right, right. And, 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 you know, if you look at the Astros players, I mean, they're just uh, there's just so many have done so, so much in this community, too. And, and, and I don't know how well that's known nationally. I mean, I, I think uh, people know about George Bringer's, uh, you know, struggling with uh, being a stutter when he was a kid and what he's done for uh, that on a, uh, level beyond, uh, baseball. And, you know, I think, you know, a little bit about somebody like, uh, Jose Altuve, but, um, yeah, these guys really do stuff and Correa cares. He, he came from, uh, Puerto Rico. He was, you know, poor guy. And there's one of the best stories. I think nobody knows about Jeff Nashley and he's got a name that I think is kind of forgettable, but Will Harris is just a fantastic story because, this is somebody that lost his mother in a car accident when he was six years old. His father then abandoned the family. Uh, he was raised by his grandparents. You know, he went through quite a bit when he was in the minor leagues. Uh, he got to the point where, you know, towards the end, he 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 had so little money that he he couldn't even um, he couldn't even afford grow. His wife called and said, 
we didn't, we can't afford diapers for the kids. We can't afford groceries. And he calls up his uncle to borrow money, a couple hundred dollars. And that same day he gets called up to the major leagues and, and the rest is history. But he was somebody that was kicked to the curb, even as a major leaguer and the Astros picked him up and really turned around his career. And he's been one of the best relief pitchers in baseball over the last few years, but very, very quietly. And nobody knows about him. And he's not, you know, one of these guys that, you, you know, you would just look at and think, oh, he's he's uh, really outgoing and crazy or whatever. He just kind of does his job and gets in and out and that's it. But uh, Will Harris is to me, that's one of the best stories. And oh, I think it's more than nine innings or around nine innings right now in the, in the playoffs. And he hasn't given up one run. He's just been spectacular. That is money. And that's a great story for sure. You know, one thing that I kind of also getting back to your question of how they're perceived nationally, I think also part of it is that they're really not as known nationally. And I wonder if it's, you know, probably part of the problem is, you know, they spent, you know, they're in the AL West. I think that kind of inhibits them becoming more known nationally. Maybe. I, I just I wonder if you can get a national, you know, a national thing going if you're not in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles or Boston. I mean, those are the ones that they just they want to talk about nonstop, you know, on the ESPNs or the, you know, TBSs or whatever the net Fox or whatever the network it is. But, you know, that that that's a, that's probably the biggest deal. But after three years in the postseason and two runs to the World Series, I just figured we're, we're starting to get to the point where. Either people are, hey, this is kind of a fun team. We like seeing these guys or, man, we're sick of these guys and they're they're, they're just kind of jerks. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening for some time. And at least for one thing that's good, they're not the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that helps. And they beat, they beat the Yankees, which is cool. And, you know, we, we love that every time the Yankees uh, fall. That That's fun. But, you know, I, and, and I definitely understand about the organization, because there there definitely is things that have gone on the organization and the Osuna thing. Look, it, it didn't go over well nationally. It didn't go over well in Houston either. People people didn't like it here, uh, but at the same time, it's hard to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And all these other guys that you love, you can't just throw them out because this one guy that they traded for, you know, has his history or whatever. And the, and the organization has done things, you know, as people have heard to try to mitigate it in the community. And, you know, they've tried to do those sorts of things, but uh, there's been some journalistic stuff, not just in this situation, but there was a thing earlier this year, people might've missed it with uh, Verlander and the way they locked a reporter out of a, you know, a post-game press conference. And um, there's just been some other things that, you know, just ha- it, it, it makes them look not so good. And, and it, the, the higher ups in the organization need to work on those things. And, you know, they they're kind of having to do the apology tour over the last week. And it's it's been slow, but they've they've they finally did it. Yeah. And, you know, they're not the only team that has these kind of things come up either. So it's, uh, you know, if, if they if they move on and move forward the right way, I think all is good. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, just hoping they can get the, the one more win, because this would be the first time that we would see a Houston professional team at least of the, in the major sports, uh, there were some Comets victories in the late in the late night late 1990s, and you know the Dynamo uh, won a championship, but I don't even think that that would have been a, a home game. This is the first home game uh, championship that they would have since 1995 if they could pull it off in the next couple of games. Back to All the right. Rockets. All right. Well, Robert Land, Houston Sports Talk. We thank you so much for uh, giving us the time. Absolutely. Always fun to be on with you, Jeff. 
And my apologies for the audio difficulties there. Did that interview with Robert via Skype. His microphone cooperated, mine not so much. (laughs) But nonetheless, Robert had a lot of great things to say, so I wanted to make sure that you got to hear them. So Game 6, Tuesday night. Home team has yet to win a game in this World Series. Will that trend continue? All eyes upon that in the baseball world. And before we head out, you know, we were talking about uh, Houston UCF uh, during the interview with Robert. Dana Holgerson is apparently being sued over unpaid rent and damage to the property of West Virginia that he was leasing. So I guess he decided to uh, get out of Dodge rather hastily (laughs) moving to Houston. So uh, not only is his football season going not going well, he's got just a little added trouble to boot. As always, I ask you to please give me a follow on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88. And please do subscribe to the podcast if you do not already. JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. Click on the subscribe button. Voila. Find that uh, podcast provider of your choice and uh, get yourself hooked up. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients, so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.